everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. All right, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is Your Tech Life, episode 344. Great to have your company. I'm in Berlin, and uh, the day of the week that you're getting this podcast is outrageous, and I accept that. Um, but I've been traveling, and uh, there was no point bringing you a podcast on Tuesday because it would have just been me dribbling to quickly try and get a podcast out. Um, but I thought we'd just basically uh, chat to this this week and next um, and I'll tell you about where I am and what I'm up to shortly. Um, Two Bikes Talking Tech, we recorded a couple of days ago, so that's got a, a bunch of tech news from the week. But I'm going to focus on a couple of key topics. Uh, firstly, IFA here in Berlin. It's the uh, biggest tech trade show in Europe. Um, second biggest in the world behind CES, without question. Um, so I'll bring you a few, a few different things I've seen here, uh, expanding on what I've written on EFTM. Um, we have to talk about Samsung and the Galaxy Note 7 dramas. Um, BB-8 is uh, updated at the end of this month, and I want to tell you about that. And I think we'll um, forecast our way through the next week with Apple's big announcement next week in San Francisco. And then I want to tell you about where I'm going after that. There is so much going on. And that's what I say. We do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel and Garmin. Garmin satellite navigation, GPS systems, the fitness trackers, a whole bunch of products, and Alcatel's range of smartphones. Um, number three seller of smartphones in this country, and uh, there's a reason why, and that is because they make good stuff. And I'll tell you about them shortly too. Well, let's get cracking and let's talk Eva. Okay, so IFA is, and I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> thing about CES is it's great. It's the Consumer Electronics Show. Um, IFA probably stands for International Federation. I don't know. Who cares? Doesn't matter. No, <laughs> not relevant to me or you, but it's a, an annual tech trade show that has been going on for decades. I think in like 1924, there's big signs up and, you know, history and all these kind of things. It's probably evolved a fair bit in that time. Um, a very different style of show to CES. Those of you who've heard me talk about CES, um, IFA, a very different style because it's a bit more spread out in terms of the way it operates. And there's a whole different sort of range of companies and a lot of um, home white goods style companies. So, um, you know, washing machines and, and dishwashers and things, uh, as well as techs and tech and gadgets. So it's not as techie, I would say, consumer techie as CES, <clears throat> as, as we know and and, and enjoy, but certainly still a whole bunch on offer here. Um, kicked off on uh, a couple of days ago with Samsung announcing the Gear S3. Now, <clears throat> this is a very important move for Samsung because, you know, the Gear S2 this time last year, I thought was fantastic. They did a really good job with the device um, because of what they did to the interface, not just the design of the software, but the way you interacted with it, that twisting, turning, uh, bezel around the the screen allowed you to interact with the screen with the watch in such a way that you didn't ever need to touch the screen if you didn't need to. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think the problem with the with the watch was it it was a little small for some people. Like I wear big watches, and I think a lot of people who um, enjoy watches, and that is a genuine thing. People enjoy watches as a not as a fashion thing, but as a as a statement, as a collection. There's a lot of reasons we love watches, um, and I felt it was a bit small. I didn't wear it because it just looked small on my wrist. Um, it was also a bit plasticky. So they've done a good job this time around going compl- almost completely 180 on this thing by going, right, <clears throat> it's going to be a beautiful product. It's going to have uh, big 
bold styling. It's going to look every bit uh, a classic and, and high-quality watch, first and foremost, and then we'll add the smarts to it. And that's what they've done. You know, this thing's got a heart rate monitor, altimeter, barometer. It's got all the different sensors you could want in a smartwatch. NFC, so there's going to be Samsung Pay built into it, as Apple has with Apple Pay built into their watch. Um, <clears throat> and the screen resolution is such that, you know, the... The, the watch face designs are in their thousands and, again, leaps and bounds ahead of Apple here. Apple have, like, 10 watch faces. Um, that really should be opened up to developers. Um, so Samsung's really got themselves a product here that is, without question, in my mind, the best smartwatch on the market. The challenge is they still struggle with, with basic brand recognition outside of their smartphones, and I think I think sometimes they get a bit ahead of themselves thinking we're so big that we can just be anything and we can have every product. I, I don't think that is the case yet, as weird as that sounds. <clears throat> because everyone knows Samsung, obviously, they have great recognition, but I just not saw the loyalty, the brand loyalty I don't believe exists. I think people who use a Samsung phone love Android and could well switch providers, switch phones at any time to another Android phone. That's the risk that Samsung has. Um, anyway, the, the Gear S3 comes in two different versions, the Frontier and the Classic. Unfortunately, one of the coolest features won't be available in Australia. There's a there's a Frontier version that has an eSIM, so that's a kind of hardwired SIM built into it, and it allows uh, telcos in Europe and other places, Korea and all those kind of places, to give you a SIM card for your mobile phone and then allocate your phone number to the eSIM of the watch so that you don't even need your phone. And when someone rings you, you can have the conversation on your watch. That's, that's kind of next-level stuff. That's where we need to be going with these smartwatches, yet... Unfortunately, we don't have compatibility for eSIMs in Australia. I think um, it wouldn't revolutionise, it wouldn't change the market, it wouldn't grow a huge customer base, but it would be very smart of a telco in Australia to adopt an eSIM. And <clears throat> maybe what I need to do is actually understand um, whether or not there's some sort of, uh, not regulatory, but maybe there is, or, or technology reason why we can't use eSIMs, or is it just um, telcos that couldn't give a rat's? So we'll probably find that out over the over the weeks and months ahead. But look, I think Samsung's done a great job. I think this is um, a cracking device, really beautiful smartwatch, um, and and without question that the most feature rich on the market. Whether or not that helps them in the overall scheme of things, I don't know, but we'll soon find out. Now, the other product Samsung had that I thought was fantastic, and I talked about this on the Today Show, the the Family Hub fridge. Now I saw this at CES in Las Vegas in January, um, but the problem with these bloody fridges and things is we've been talking for years about you know smart homes and smart dishwashers and smart washing machines and all these kinds of products but they never seem to either hit the shelves at all or certainly in australia so here's the news the family hub coming to australia in the next few weeks this is a product big fridge i mean talking big fridge <clears throat> that is um enormous in terms of what it, what it can store that's great for a fridge but on the front is a 21 inch touchscreen now, that touchscreen does a large number of things, including, um, but not limited to, um, you can leave notes for your family, you could uh, synchronise calendars, uh, you could share photos, you can even mirror your television. If, I'm assuming if you've got a Samsung TV, you can mirror your television onto the, uh, onto the screen. Um, a range of things. And there'll be an app ecosystem startup for this thing. And the other thing they'll do is they'll partner, I'm pretty sure, with one of the big supermarkets to have one of their apps, a kind of, uh, I think, a customized version of the app to allow you very easily add things to your shopping list. So you can have your online shopping list on the fridge, which is the best place for it, 
uh, and then you know press a button and it comes to your door. Um, that in itself is is just awesome. But the the final and, and kind of coolest part is going to the supermarket if you happen to do physical shopping, and you go or you're driving home, pull over and you go, have we got milk? And you know what you do? You open the app, and inside the fridge is a camera. And you can look inside the fridge and see whether you've got milk. Sensational, honestly. So cool. Such a great concept of an idea. Um, and this is going to sound ridiculous. Not not terribly pricey. It's a seven to $8,000 fridge. Now, for the size of the fridge alone, it, it would automatically be a four or $5,000 fridge. So to add those smarts is certainly a premium. But i got to say, I think they'll sell very well. Um, you consider the price of a fridge and how rarely we upgrade them. I think people will invest in a fridge. So I really want to try it. <laughs> I do. I really want to try it out. I, I think it will be um, a bit of a game changer. You know, we've got my wife uh, actually created a bunch of calendars, uh, magnetic calendars that you could uh, put on the fridge and share what, what everyone's up to. I'm not sure we'll ever move away from that, but just the basics of your calendar, electronic calendar appearing there or leaving notes is a very cool function and feature. So the family hub fridge from Samsung will come uh, our way in um, in the next few weeks. We'll get a local announcement on that one. Um, moving on to Lenovo. Now, Lenovo did a bunch of things with Motorola. I haven't actually seen that announcement or, or dug into it yet, so I can't really tell you much about that. But I do know, do know they've created a little camera module for the Motorola phones um, that has Hasselbad um Branding. Now, I'm told it's not Hass Glass, but kind of designed by that brand. So not it's kind of a disingenuous thing, but I mean if even if it has a bit of credibility around it's a sensational move. But we'll get back to Motorola in another episode. The cool thing they've done and is about their tablet. Now let's just reflect here on Lenovo for a second. You think about the iPad. Now think about every other tablet on the market, all right? Now tell me, who's done anything different? Okay, so Samsung's got a different design. Acer's got this and that, and we've recently had the kind of convertibles, but let's not talk about those. Just raw tablets. Lenovo. It's the only company that's done anything different. The Lenovo Yoga tablet, the one with the kind of round edge, big, thick, round edge that you can hold and grip onto, plus it's got a kickstand on it, plus it's got a projector, plus it can hang on a wall. I mean, so much innovation in that tablet, right? That's Lenovo. Remember they had Ashton Kutcher come out and kind of say he was involved in the design and all those kind of things. So what do they do this year? They announce another tablet. It's called the Yoga Book. Now, it uses the beautiful watch band hinge that uh, Lenovo have on their laptop range. That's excellent. Um, but it also then is only a tablet. So there is no physical keyboard on this thing, yet it opens up like a laptop or it can stand in a tent form, as they call it, so that you can watch movies or you can flip it over onto itself so it's just a touchscreen tablet. What's different is you can have some accessories. So you can have a clip that allows you to put a a piece of paper onto the other side and you can write notes and those notes are automatically digitized. That's cool. You can use the second flat surface as kind of a sketch pad. I'm not convinced by that because I think, well, if you're going to use a tablet and do sketching, wouldn't you just sketch it on the screen? So leave that aside. I think that's probably strange. But when you sit it upright like a laptop, the keyboard turns on and the keyboard illuminates from beneath. So it's a kind of 
touchscreen, touch set, touch surface, but with a computer-generated keyboard. All right. Now, what they've done is they've incorporated haptic feedback, so you can feel yourself typing, but when you stop typing, when you stop using the keyboard, the keyboard disappears and it becomes a touch surface again that you could write on or, or just not use at all. I think that's pretty cool, right? Now, I don't actually know if anyone slash everyone needs one, but I just love that they're trying. We're in this evolutionary phase. We're moving from, certainly away from PCs to, to portables, so laptops. <clears throat> We're moving towards devices like tablets being the primary thing. And I've got to say, I've been using the Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S almost exclusively as my computer when I'm not at home. I brought my MacBook Air and I forgot my charger. Um, that was stupid. So I've been using the Galaxy Tab S. I've got a little um, USB-C adapter so I can have USB ports and SD card reader from Laser, 70 bucks. Um, I've got to tell you, that's that's a good product, that one. And, and I think when you look at that, the Surface, uh, even the iPad Pro, we really are moving towards a potential tablet future. So I love that Lenovo is innovating. Good on them. And I think you'll love what you see when you check out the uh, Lenovo Yoga book. Uh, now, before I tell you about Sony, and I, I travelled here as a guest of Sony, uh, I shall and should declare, and if you're ever interested in uh, commercial um, registers of interest that I do publish at eftm.com.au, I list uh, every trip I make and, and who uh, sponsors those trips, and I, I list other commercial arrangements that I have. So um, happy days if you're interested. Um, the other one before I tell you about Sony is um, Unique. Now, Y-U-N-E-E-C is the brand. They make drones. You know, I love my drones. Now, they've got some nice drones. They're a bit funny looking because I'm so used to the DJI style. But one of them has Intel RealSense cameras in it, which is great for object avoidance and things like that. But here at IFA, they, they launched a product called the Breeze 4K. Now, this is a small, not palm of your hand kind of parrot mini size, but um, how do I describe it? It's um, it's It's only 400-odd grams, so it's not very heavy at all. Um, and it certainly rests in the palm of your hand. It probably only only the propellers stick out from the palm of your hand. So a very small device and 100% controlled by your tablet or smartphone. So very similar in control sense to the Parrot Bebop, but I think a much more um, rigid design and a better drone design than the Parrot Bebop. And they're calling it a selfie drone, basically. They're suggesting that people will use this to follow them, shoot them, you know, bring, bring, uh, fly around them, any different sort of um, style flying you can think of, um, even inside. I don't know why you would, but whatever. Um, and it's on sale now. This is not, so you remember the Rome selfie drone, the one that would just like a, look like a, the size of a, it was just a cylinder. It's a very, very different drone design. I mean, that thing's still a concept. We haven't seen one fly in real life. This thing's real. It's on sale in Berlin and it's going to be on sale globally very soon. So, not a bad little thing, four ninety nine euro. So going to end up being, you know, six, seven, probably. I think between seven and eight hundred dollars Australian would be the sweet spot for that. So interesting to see if that does actually uh, make it to Australia retail or whether we'll be buying online. But well worth checking out that one. I, I honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but I think I want this one as my um, mid level drone, so that when I'm um, when I just want to take a quick photo or something, I can fly it. It won't go to one hundred and twenty meters. It won't fly a kilometer away. It'll only do, you know, within range of your phone, uh, which is fine for, for what this thing is is made to do. Um, so that's that's a pretty cool product. So here with Sony, 
Um, and uh, in fact, here with Sony Audiovisual, um, the the mobile team is a separate team, um, but they did launch a new Xperia, the Xperia uh, XZ, uh, which looks sensational. It's the next evolution, USB-C, waterproof, uh, great camera, or three different sensors in the camera. It's it's a very high quality technology. But in terms of the audiovisual, um, they launched a new 4K action camera. That looks cool. Um, but they launched a couple of different things I want to talk to you about quickly. I'll tell you about them, and then I'll bring in my chat with um, with Abel Mahraz, who um, uh, works for he's the head of uh, video and sound at um, at Sony, um, top bloke. Uh, talked to him at CES. You'll probably remember that chat if you're a long term listener, long time listener. Um, so Abel will tell tell us about the products, but let me tell you what the products are. So firstly, their signature range. Now I showed these on the Today Show this morning. Uh, and I've got to say, it's it's a bit freaky. I was wearing a set of headphones worth $3,000, and I was holding a Walkman worth 4200 Now, it's not the first Walkman ever made. It's brand new. So it's a high-end bit of kit. High-res audio is what they call it. It's made from a uh, oxygen, oxygen-free copper ingot, um, which is gold-plated. <laughs> it's heavy, heavy in your hand. plays high-res audio into these just sensational... Um, headphones with magnesium domes and aluminium, this and that. It's uh, it's, it's high tech. It's unbelievable technology. Um, we'll talk to Abel about who the heck would buy them. Um, but really nice product. And what they're trying to do there there is really um, state their case as you know the high end audio manufacturer. That's what they want to be, and that's what what they want to be known as. And I think they're doing a very good job at that. Uh, the other one that they announced is the MDR one thousand X. Now this is a set of headphones that looks very similar to the um, over-ear uh, wireless noise-cancelling headphones I've tested recently. But these ones have an extra level. They have an extra level of noise-cancelling. And they also have two great features. And again, I'll tell, talk to Abel about these, but th- this is what sets them apart. And this is why they're more expensive than Bose QC35s. But I think it's a tough sell at a retail level to explain to people that these have more features than the Bose QC35. So it'd be interesting to see how they market them. So uh, anyway, and this might be a very raw edit, I apologise, but let's cross now to me (laughs) um, over at the show floor at IFA um, with Abel Mahraz, who is the head of video and sound uh, for Sony Australia, talking about a few different products, including one, that he's very passionate about. All right, we're here in Berlin and uh, just outside the uh, the Sony booth, and I'm here with the, the great man Abel from Sony who looks after all the uh, the big high-end audio stuff. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about first and foremost, and then you've got a little passion project. I know you love your extra bass. <laughs> yeah, um, but we spent most of yesterday looking at some really high-end audio stuff. Um, there's a couple of parts of what we saw yesterday that, that are interesting to me, and I wonder how they apply to Australia. For a start, um, high-res audio. Um, obviously, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now at CESs, yeah. um, seeing that little logo appear on more and more products, and now you've got these super high-end product, the Signature Series, that carry that logo. They showed some stats about, like, Europe and, and uh, America, the percentage of, of sales was quite low in terms of the higher end, but Asia 
was quite high, like a yeah. good percentage, 10% or something like that. Yeah. Does Australia in that category or are we just, are we a bit more uh, US-like than, than Asian? Um, we are actually in between um, Asia and the US. I think the stats you saw um, for Asia were close to about 70%, was above yeah. the $100. And yeah, so US... we're talking about price point on headphones, right? Correct, yes. um, US is like 40% of people are spending under $100, That's whereas correct. in, in Australia, or Asia, Asia. Um, it's like 70% are spending over. So what, what's the Australian break? There's like 60%, 50%? We are, correct. Yeah, we are, we are almost almost right, right, right in the middle. And there's a lot in that range, right? You know, you've got your cheapo yeah. stuff, obviously, but then there's a lot of brands. And I would say now it feels like to me the sweet spot is around 300, you know? Right. Um, there's a lot of products at the 300. There's products in the four, five, sixes. Mm. So then you throw at us these unbelievable headphones let's just talk about the headphones for a minute yeah. and they're going to be 2999 yes. if you're uh, if you're a pure audiophile in australia mm-hmm. how not not quantity wise but is is there a market for that in australia and where where do you find that market um look we think we think there is um about 10 percent portion of that of that above hundred dollars is actually above 500 us dollars so we think the market is there who is the market um, you know what it is? Uh, I think it's the people that, that just don't are fed up with listening to low quality music. Yeah. Compressed MP3s. Are they the kind of people that are going to like DME Hi-Fi to get their you know home theatre set up? They're not they're not likely to be a Harvey Norman buyer. With the greatest respect to the Harvey Norman buyer, it's not like you're going to ship these things there. These are a these are a niche unit that people will seek out. I'm assuming. Yes, exactly right. So what we found is within within the high-res audio market. Um, the it's a very wide range of groups, right? Yeah. So this young demographic group group type um, is actually growing year on year. So we believe it's those. These are the people that these are the, these are the people that um, don't want to listen to music that comes from an audio device. They actually want to listen to music and feel like they're at a concert. And and or in the recording theater with the artist. Exactly, or in the recording theater with the artist. They actually want to. They want to immerse themselves into the into the um, passion and the atmosphere um, of the performance, which you can't do unless you get something of such high quality. So uh, let's. I've spent three grand on a set of just stunning headphones, and yeah. I plug them into a smartphone. Quality is going to be good, right? But you've wasted your money, really. You want to pair it up with something that's some, that's a higher res audio player. You've got. Several of those. We'll talk about the high end of that, but yeah. you know, um, a mid mid range Sony high res audio player paired with those headphones is going to literally change your audio experience. Correct. Yes, it will. It definitely will. So when you got a um, a high res audio player, it's a dedicated player, yeah. um, and all the materials are built and designed to play to play audio yeah. and just play audio. Not to mention the battery life that will drain your phone to. Where do people getting their high res audio? Are there good high res audio um, catalogs available to buy, or are people uh, ingesting their own? I mean, what would the average high res audio fan? What would, the, what would the person who's buying those two units yeah. be doing to get their music? Because there's no point getting it from the big um, stores, the big online stores. That's low quality audio. Yeah, you're right. So, look, high-res audio sites are increasing um, as we speak. I think the last study we did was there's about 700,000 globally. Globally, um, so it's quite big, and that is, and that continues to grow. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, if you buy our our new high-res audio turntable, mm. you can actually make your own high-res audio. So I've got old vinyls, correct? But I buy the high-res audio turntable yeah. when I play them through. I'm going to capture that as a lossless high-res audio. Is it the 
What makes it a high-res audio? Is it the way it, it, it converts the, the needle to a signal or, or what part of the, the turntable is high-res in a sense? Um, you're right. It's the way it, it, do, it does the conversion. So you plug it in through your, through your laptop and it comes with all the software that, yeah. that, that is required and it converts that to um, DSD lossless. You, you mentioned a, a younger demographic. Surely the retiring demographic would be also ideal for that. You know, you've got an old record collection spend some good money on a high-res audio turntable, yeah. you know, ingest it and then buy a high-res audio player. Surely there's a market there as well? Yep, yep, totally, totally agree. The difference we find is the, the older like to listen to music um, in a room, like through, through, uh, through right, speakers, okay, yep, yep. whereas the younger demographic um, are a lot more well, personal. Exactly right, through the, through the headphones. Okay, so then let's talk about that um, yeah. beautiful Walkman, <laughs> which I was lucky enough to hold for a few minutes last night on the Today Show. It's a... Uh, um, I'm now I'm gonna now I'm gonna forget, but it's an oxygen-free uh, copper ingot. Yeah. Um, so it's a heavy little little block of metal that's carved out, and um, all the in- innards are put in it. But it's also gold-plated, um, which helps justify in some way the price tag of four thousand two hundred ninety-nine dollars. Um, it's it kind of feels ridiculous, but then it kind of feels that's the point, right? Is to be have this have this thing at this level. It's not you don't, you don't have to buy that one. There's a bunch of high audio players you've got, but this yeah. is the pinnacle of the Walkman of 2016, right. right? Yes, yes, it is. Um, I suppose we just want to you know we we want to build the best Walkman that can reproduce. Um, that fill the music instead of hear the music, yeah. and to do that, you've got to t- you've got to cut no, and you just got to be meticulous, yeah. and you've got to pick the best value material, um, regardless of cost, yeah. and that's what the engineers yeah, came yeah. up with. It's, it's an impressive looking unit; it, it feels yeah. great in the hand, and and look, the the music is is unbelievable. I probably need to, you know, try those headphones in on just a standard um, high-res audio Walkman with music that I know and, and love. I was saying that last night to to, to Christine from Sony. I I can, I can listen to high res audio, but I don't quite kind of get it until I hear songs that I'm familiar with. And you start hearing those things that you never normally hear in a song. And I think that's where you have that kind of aha moment about high res audio that says, this is stunning. Yeah. Um, what, what's your preferred way of listening to high res audio yourself? Are you, are you a speaker man or a headphone man? Um, I'm actually a headphone man. You're um, trying to put yourself in the younger demographic? Yeah, yes. <laughs> 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 now more for more for you know I really just like to sit back relax and in, and enjoy the music and exactly like what you were saying if it's a song that you that you're quite familiar with you can really hear those bits that are missing yeah. um, and you just want to have it just quite comfortable and just have a listen to it through the headphones all right let's change tack and talk uh, noise cancelling headphones then um, you've had uh, a set of wireless um, uh, noise cancelling headphones on the market now for a little while. You'll tell me the model number, but I've tried them. They're great. Um, they come in that kind of colour range. They're here on range, right? Um, beautiful colours and all that stuff. And they're excellent. They're, they're very good noise cancelling. They're a great headphone. Um, but you've kind of taken it one step further. And let's be clear, the ones that were on the market already were a $499, which is a very similar price to the what I would, would have always, always called the kind of leader in, in noise cancelling. Um, and now you're saying you've got a set of headphones that are the best in noise cancelling. Now, for my listeners, I tried this, and you did a great job of demonstrating it. You had a set of, I'll say it, you had a set of Beats, and a set of Bose QC35s, and you had the, uh, the 1000X headphones there, and this ambient sound, which sounded like we were on a plane, um, and you put them on, and, and you hear how good they are. Now, 
very close, but better than, yeah. than the Bose. Um, but I think, and you're explaining to me, the difference isn't really just the ability to do good noise cancelling. It's also the added features. Yeah. Um, just talk me through the couple of things that you see in those headphones that put them a, a level above the others because of the features, not just the noise cancelling. Okay, yeah. So those, those headphones were designed to be the best noise cancellers. Um, the sound is also high-res sound, which is, which is awesome as well. But those features were features that people get bothered when they have noise-canceling headphones on, such as, you know, when you've got a noise-canceling headphone on, you might miss um, a boarding call. So you're at the airport, you're just trying to tune out because you've got two hours, and you get a bit zonked into your music, you're not really paying attention to time, you'll miss that boarding call because it's so faint, it's so well noise-canceled that you'll actually miss it. So you've got a mode, it's called ambient voice, so it's still noise-canceling, you're doing a great job noise-canceling, but it's, it's letting through voice, and it is literally... Picking out the voice yes, in the right. ambient sound and pushing that through to you. That's that's exactly what it does. So you, you can turn that on, and then all you get is the voice. Or if you choose, if you're somewhere where you just don't want to hear anything, you can turn it off, and then you've got your normal noise cancelling. And there's also a, a, a third preset where you can just turn it, and it just lets in the the natural that's sound. sound. Yeah, so that's perfect. And then, and and then, then critically, there's the feature that allows you to say, right, I'm, I'm on a plane. Let's say you're sitting on the plane, and yeah. you've got your noise cancelling, you're in the zone, you've got your Billy Joel going, whatever it is. Um, and then the airline staff come up to you and kind of say, would you like a drink? And you're like, I don't know what you just said. You hold your palm over the right ear of the headphones, and it, it disables noise cancelling for like a as long as your palm is there so that you can hear the person talking to you. Really simple, convenient feature. Yeah. That, again, is one of those features that you, you would argue is what sets it above other products that have great noise cancelling, but it sets it above so that it's a feature set, which is what you're paying for in the price. Perfect, yes, exactly. I mean, how many times are you on the plane and you've got to ask the wait- the, the girl to repeat herself twice because you've yeah. got to take them off and put them back on, yeah. pause your music. This, this, as you put your palm and touch it, it just, it's all touchable. Yep. Um, it just sucks everything away, mutes your music, and then as soon as you take your palm off, you're back to exactly... Are airport sales that obvious um, in the market? Like, I, I would think there's a huge number of people that would literally buy them as a last-minute purchase at the airport. Do you see that, or is it not, not that obvious in terms of the market share? And uh, It actually is. We, we, we do a lot of business through, through the airports, um, Australia being a country where people travel a lot. I mean, you know, you've got to travel even to go to... Yeah, you've got Melbourne. people that just Melbourne to Sydney, and that's exactly a daily right. commute for some people. It is, exactly right. So the airport does, does take up a, a, a pretty good percentage of, yeah, our, yeah. of our business. It's also useful for you in terms of marketing too, because that is, I mean, frequent travellers, with the greatest respect, everyone else probably have more money for, some, for, for the obvious reason. Mm. So they're the ones that are willing to spend four, five, six hundred $600 on a set of headphones. So it allows you to target your marketing as well at the same time so you can push a product and its features and its uh, benefits over another in a much more focused way because that's the target market yeah that's right yeah exactly so you know we use the airport for that it's very good very very good for branding mm-hmm. and as you said when you come to when it comes to foot foot traffic it's it's really second second to none all right last but not least yes. um when we're at CES, you spent a lot of time showing me through the whole range and the booth there, um, and you showed me the extra bass. And the, the small extra bass, little portable Bluetooth speaker, um, I reviewed that earlier this year, and I think it's sensational just because that button, that extra bass button really does give you a different sound and feel, but it's an option. So you don't have to buy... Real, there are bassy speakers on the market, which are great, um, but you don't have to have a bassy speaker, and that's why that, that's a great little product. And then you had this huge kind of extreme thing, which is probably like a 549-odd price point, um, XB7. Giant thing, great for parties. I don't know. I actually don't know who's using them, but you're telling me they're selling well. And so you've gone... 
kind of middle of the road there and you brought something out that's slightly smaller but still a giant speaker. Yeah, that's right. So I love this speaker. Um, <laughs> I, I love your passion for it too. I'd be genuine. I, it is for someone who works day to day with a whole bunch of products. It is great to find that that those couple of things that really do have have the passion. And I see that for you, man. It's good. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, it's the XB5. Yeah. So this thing has strobe lights. It's got LED lights around around the speaker as well that you can turn off or on. Yeah. It's um, it's uh, as you said, it's it's a wireless speaker. Um, it's also got audio audio um, outputs as well, mm-hmm. um, and it's also got the extra bass button. And right. you can also put two together through Bluetooth stereo pair, stereo pair or if you like, just double double the volume. Right. But the best thing is, it's it's three four nine. So three four nine, and I had a look at it in, in there. This is a product. Uh, you probably know the exact dimensions, but it's a tall product. It's, it's sitting on a table. It, it looks out of place because it's not. It's it's a giant of a thing. If I was to compare it, and again, I'll do the comparing you don't have to but when you told me the price 349 my my, my head immediately went uh, Logitech UE Megaboom which was their you know second and larger product that's that's a big product but it's this thing would be in just height two two times taller um, it would be in volume Christ eight times bigger it's a massive speaker compared to that so value for money wise bang for your buck that's a pretty compelling offer. Where are people going to find that thing? And where's, where's that product, the, the XP7, doing well for you in retail? Um, yeah, look, you're absolutely right. Value for money, this XP5 is awesome value for money. Yeah. Um, it's going to be available in most of the retailers um, that, that also range the XP7. Um, surprisingly enough, the XP7 is doing really well for us in the multiple colours as well. So, you know, we got the charcoal, the blue, yeah. and that, and, and the red colour. XP5 also has those has those three colours. So we're really looking forward to seeing the XP5 do better or just as well as the XP7. Is it, is it there just to fill a price point? Because it is a big jump to go from, you know, the 150-odd price point up to five-something. So having... Having something in a price point allows you to stay in the game when people are shopping around, right? Yeah, exactly. So it is there. It is there to have that you know reasonable step up feature, yeah. and also as the market is growing, the wireless speaker market is growing, and we've got to cater for more yeah. for more people. It's very exciting. I know you love your product. Um, the the I think the noise cancelling headphones are the kind of sleeper success for you guys because obviously the three thousand dollar headphones are a nice headline. They look great. So it's a pretty cool way to announce a product. Um, you know, you've got a large audio range, but I think if you can pull off, and the, the challenge for you is literally the next few months of reviews and, and and commentary on it. But if you can pull off a headphone with the one thousand X that is um, the traveller's choice, then it cascades down from there. I think, and I think that's probably what you're. Kind of nervously anticipating, isn't it, the next few months of, of perception over that product? Yeah, exactly. And having the 1000X as that product, mm. we are um, very, very confident that it will gain the reviews. Um, and just by, you know, you, you you have a look at it and various other people, the feedback we've been getting yeah. is that it is the the best noise cancelling out there. All right, well done. IFA is a big show and um, it's a long way away from home, so we'll um, we'll leave it there and I'll leave you to a busy day and uh, we'll talk again probably at CES. Yeah. <laughs> See you then. Thanks. All right. So um, that's Aoife, that's Sony, and um, thanks to Sony for bringing me over, and uh, there'll be more stories at eftm.com.au. We do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, satellite navigation, GPS technology. Uh, check out the Garmin Phoenix range. There's a there's a new Phoenix in town. Uh, well worth a look. F-E-N-I-X. This is the ultimate sports smartwatch. It does 
almost everything a good smartwatch should do gives you notifications um, monitors uh, what's going on in your world but also in terms of sports and activity has breadcrumb tracking it has uh, fitness tracking running running routines swimming all those different things are built into this watch um, and they have new high-end beautiful design ones so well worth checking out if you are in the market for a smartwatch and hey you might download this just before father's day wouldn't you be partner or child of the year if you bought a Garmin Phoenix. Anyway, check it out at garmin.com.au. Now, huge news today. I mean, honestly, this is probably, I don't want to overstate it, but it's a massive story in terms of tech terms. Samsung have had to recall the Galaxy Note 7. Now, when I say recall, they haven't issued a recall notice. I believe they will be forced to, certainly in Australia. What they have done is said they are withdrawing the product from sale temporarily. Uh, The telcos, Telstra, Optus and Vodafone have all announced they have halted sales of the device. But a couple of hours later, Samsung announced that they had investigated 35 incidents where the the Galaxy Note 7s had caught fire slash exploded, whatever you want to call it. But it's a very small explosion if it is such. But a lithium-ion fire in a battery is a big deal, so it certainly would have looked like an explosion to many. So small fires in 35 of about a million or two um, phones is a big deal when you think about it, um, but they say that's a very small number. So what they've done is they've, they've done an investigation, they've determined it's the battery. So it's not the phone, it's just the battery. So good news, they're only going to have to likely replace people's batteries. Bad news, that is a recall. If they're saying bring it back and let us put a new battery, and that's as much as you know Ford, Holden, or Toyota saying bring it back, we're just going to tighten a couple of bolts. I mean, it is a recall uh, by any name, and if you own a Galaxy Note 7, pay strong attention to what's going on um, over the coming um, couple of weeks. There'll be instructions from the telcos and from Samsung around how you return your device, whether you get a direct exchange or whether you just whack a new battery in. To be honest, I'd just whack a new battery in if I was you because then you don't have to reset up the phone and all those different things. But um, it's a real problem for Samsung because uh, it's a week out from uh, Apple's announcement for the new iPhone. Um, it is a, a real a blip on the radar in terms of their credibility. So overall, it doesn't look great for them. I think they'll recover, but they're going to get headlines over this, and that's a real problem for them. And I, I feel bad for them because you know these things happen. But obviously, you can't take people's safety lightly, and they have to recall this product because it could be dangerous, um, and it could start fires. I mean, that's why hoverboards had to be re- recalled, and um, you know, bigger batteries, so much bigger problems there. But it's a genuine issue, and it's not just because people use cheap charges. It's a genuine issue, and um, uh, that's that's why they've done it. So if you own a Galaxy Note 7, um, keep your eye out for the recall details, um, and details about that are at eftm.com.au. Now, it's not a Star Wars year to the fans like Fennec. You know what that means, but basically it means there's no new Star Wars movie this year. There is a rogue movie. These are the uh, in-between movies. Every second year there's going to be a rogue movie and then, oh, whatever. Anyway, this time last year we had uh, Force Friday, all the new merchandise. This year um, they again announced a bunch of Star Wars merchandise on the, on, the, on the Friday, which will be available on the 30th of September. Now, the critical one for me was the Sphero BB-8. And I brought this thing over with me to, so that I could test it and have a play with it. But there's now a new version of the Sphero BB-8, which comes in a limited edition uh, box. It's a battle-worn version. So he, he looks a bit dirty and he looks a bit darker and looks like he's actually been out in a battle. But critically, it comes in the box with the Force Band. 
And you can also buy the Force Band separately, and that works with any Sphero BB-8. It's about 150 bucks for the Force Band, or about 399 or 349 You'll have to check the website um, for the battle-worn version uh, and this Force Band together. So what is the Force Band? So right now, if you have a Sphero BB-8, you need your smartphone, you pair it up with the Sphero, and you use your smartphone to drive them around. With the Force Band, you don't need a smartphone at all. You put you wear this thing on your wrist like a watch, but there's no screen, no nothing. But there is a speaker in there. You can press the button, you turn it on, and then you pair it up by tapping it on the Sphero, and you use the Force. So you, you thrust your hand forward, and he drives forward, and you can steer him and do all these different things. It's very, very cool. Like, seriously cool. Um... But, and, and I, I, I struggle with it. I did a video. You've probably seen it. It's terrible. I, I, I was just trying to demonstrate the basics of it. But I'm sure people will learn very well how to, how to drive it around. Um, I struggled quite badly. But look, it's an unbelievable accessory. If you know anyone with a BB-8, it is worth buying them this accessory because they will go out of their mind with excitement. So definitely check that one out if, um, if you're a Star Wars fan and you, and you know someone with a, um, with a BB-8. So that'll be available September 30. Uh, It's on the website now, eftm.com.au. So it is, I think, Friday in Berlin, real time. And on Monday, I will leave Berlin and head via New York to San Francisco, where Apple next week are having a September event. Uh, As always, we don't know at all what the event will be, but gee whiz, we can speculate. And we're pretty confident, aren't we, that this will be an iPhone 7. So almost no doubt about that. Whether there's two phones, three phones, iPhone 7, 7 Plus, 7, 7 Plus, 7 Pro, we don't know. Um, speculated heavy, heavily on that with Stephen Fennick on Two Blokes Talking Tech. But I just wanted to say I'll be there next week. I'll probably wait until after the keynote to record a podcast. But then again, uh, because I'll do Two Blokes Talking Tech, if I don't have enough content uh, in addition to the Apple information... I'll just do two blokes talking tech with Stephen because I don't want to uh, double down and bore you on two podcasts with the same content. If you, if that grates with you and you want to hear my direct opinion without Stephen in, in the room, hey, uh, or by all means, let me know. Go to the website, email me, uh, eftm.com.au or tweet me. Um, but I do work on the assumption that the majority of people are listening to kind of both podcasts. So keep that in mind if you're, um, if you're ever wondering what and why and how I decide to record things. So it'll be interesting. Look, I've written on the website what I think should come or might come. Um, I don't think we'll get an Apple Watch hardware upgrade. But that said, I think there will be new accessories. I think there'll be a range of new things come with the Apple Watch and they will announce the timing of the new software upgrades as well, which is um, an important addition to um, to, to the Apple ecosystem because iOS 10 will, will be announced in terms of the release date. And I would expect, given that um, next week is the 8th in Australia, that the announcement of the um, iPhone will come. We'll probably do pre-orders that Friday and, and it'll be available on, I think it'll be the 12th so or, or 17th, something like that. So the fall, it's only going to be a couple of weeks before the next iPhone will be available. And at the same time, the next version of iOS and all those different things will be available too, which I think you'll like if you're an iPhone user. So that's all coming next week. Now, after that, I'm flying to Detroit with Ford for a um, Further with Ford conference. It's where they kind of talk about the future of, of cars and future of automation and different things. So there's some very cool things planned there. I'll try and do a podcast again from there. But also, well worth noting, I'm, I'm bringing um, Rob, uh, who came to me with CS. Uh, the cameraman, and and we won't do quite Truman-style vlogs, but we'll pump out a bunch of videos so that you can really try and experience that one with me. So um, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long or search for Trevor Long. 
on Facebook, um, you'll be able to find me because I've got the tick there, so you'll be able to, don't get confused by any other Trevor Longs, um, and on Twitter, at Trevor Long. Instagram, uh, Instagram username is Trevor Long AU, and that's about all the social medias I'm doing now. I've pretty much given up on Snapchat. Um, and and I've been uploading most of the video content we do to the YouTube channel as well, so uh, youtube.com forward slash EFTM online. Uh, is that location and it'd be great if you liked um, EFTM on Facebook as well uh, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online um, we do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel as well Alcatel the go play um, shockproof waterproof dustproof smartphone great for great for teenagers unbelievable teenagers because it's a good phone good camera but very very resilient so worth checking that one out for the for the kids if they're um if they're looking for a new smart smartphone um, that is all for this week, Your Tech Life. Trevor Long in Berlin. It's a beautiful day in Berlin. Um, hopefully I'll get a chance to have a bit of a wander around on Saturday or Sunday um, and keep snapping away some pics on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. So pay attention there. Until then, uh, get in touch anytime you like on the website, eftm.com.au or on social media. Just find me at Trevor Long. Thanks for your company. Back again next week from San Francisco.